You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Lisa Keefe, editor in chief of Meeting Place and Alt Meat. Welcome to this month's Meeting Pod episode dedicated to the meat alternatives market. Paul Shapiro has taken a winding path from animal rights activist to chief executive officer of an alternative protein company. But his mission to feed the world sustainably has never wavered. As the founder of the Better Meat Company in Sacramento, he is directly involved in making that happen, creating a type of fermented mycoprotein with meat alternative qualities that other products in the space may not have. In an interview for Alt Meat and the Meeting Pod podcast, Paul spoke with contributing editor Sarah Feister Gale about meat, mycoprotein, nutrition, and the art of manipulating microbes. Let's start at the beginning, Andy. I always like to start these interviews just what's your background? How did you come to alternative meats and fungi and, and ultimately to co found better meat? Interestingly enough, the United Nations recently just put out a new document called Preventing the Next Pandemic, in which they list the top seven most likely reasons that we will have another pandemic. And the top three, three of the top seven there, numbers one, two, and three are increased demand for animal protein, intensification of animal agriculture, and the bushmeat trade. So basically slaughtering wildlife to for, for meat purposes. And so, you know, you look at that and the UN is saying that the top three reasons why we may have another pandemic are all related to basically how we are feeding humanity the protein that we desire. I don't believe that everybody is just going to decide to give up meat. I think that people have shown, you know, humans really like to eat meat. So mm-hmm. the question is, how can we actually produce meat in a way that provides the experience of meat enjoyment that people crave in a way that leaves a much lighter footprint on the planet, on public health, and on animal welfare? And so that's why I've always been interested in this topic. And after I wrote the book, Queen Meat, I had to make a decision as to whether or not I was going to continue writing about the people who I thought were going to solve the sustainability problems faced by how we produce protein today, or to become one of them myself, becoming one of them. And that's why I co-founded the Better Meat Co. And what we do is we make plant protein formulations that we offer to meat companies for them to blend into their meat so they can have a lower footprint on the planet. So tell me specifically about Riza and how it differs from other plant-based alternatives. Sure. So it's pronounced Riza. And well, I wasn't 50-50. Yeah, yeah, you were so close. There. So you flipped <laughs> a coin there for sure. So anyway, Riza is just Latin for root and we're dealing with mycelia, which are like the root of a fungi. So that's why we call it that. And so what we do at the Better Meat Co is run a unique and proprietary fermentation process where we can take common ingredients like potatoes subject them to a special kind of fermentation that literally within hours converts them into a product that has the look and texture of raw meat. So we don't have to isolate or fractionate or extrude. What we do is we make a whole food protein that straight out of the fermenter has the texture, the fibrosity of actual animal meat, and it's a whole food. So it has a lot of protein. It has more iron than beef. 
It has more protein than eggs. It naturally contains B12, since this is a subject of wow. microbial. Plants don't contain B12, but this is a microbial fermentation. And that's where B12 comes from. It's from microbes. So we offer, so now, you know, you have this product that offers a fourth ingredient, not just wheat, pea, or soy, but an actual animal-free protein source that's a whole food, high protein, high fiber, high iron, B12-containing superfood. And so just to back up, like, you know, if you think about why don't plants have the same type of texture to their flesh as an animal's flesh does, it's because plants are very far away from animals on the evolutionary scale. However, if you look at fungi, fungi are much closer to animals than they are to plants, which is why oftentimes, you know, they are, you know, mushrooms are considered to have a very meaty texture. You initially said you can make it out of anything like potato, but you're focusing on mushrooms right now. Is that correct? Well, the microflora is fungi in nature. So that's what we're feeding the potatoes to. So basically, if you think about a fermentation, let's say like beer, you're going to use a microbe like this yeast, right? And you're going to like a brewer's yeast and you're going to feed it sugar and it produces alcohol. In our case, we're feeding sugars. So in these cases, the sugars are coming from potatoes and our microflora consume it. And then they grow into a food that is a mycoprotein. So in the same way that, you know, if you, let's say, feed chickens corn, they're going to grow up and then you, you can have chicken meat. We are making a mycoprotein. So we're eating the actual organism like, like you would eat a chicken. We're eating the actual organism here that is a fungi in nature. And is it a specific fungi? Is it any fungi? Yeah. So we use a specific fungi that's been consumed by humanity very safely for centuries, and it works quite well. So tell me about the technology. I assume you're not doing this in a big bathtub. (laughs) No, many people are brewing beer in their bathtubs. They're kind of doing a home fermentation. That's pretty cool. That's not what we do. This is far more advanced than that. So we're using large stainless steel fermenters. And basically, we're taking a natural process and wrapping stainless steel around it and allowing nature to take place in this very controlled environment. Essentially, what we're doing is taking nutrients that are coming from things like potatoes and subjecting them to a process that sterilizes them, putting them into the fermenter, and then inoculating the fermenter with our microflora and running very specific parameters that allow the microflora simply to voraciously consume all of those nutrients. And they grow up very fast. So basically in nature, typically the larger the organism, the longer it takes to replicate itself. When you get down to the microscopic level, you're now not talking about weeks or months, you're talking about hours. And that's how we're able to run such an efficient process is because once our organism starts consuming all of those nutrients, it rapidly starts replicating itself so much so that our fermenter is clogged full of mycoprotein within less than one day. We're going to take a break here for a moment from our conversation with Paul for a word from our sponsor, ADM. Discover what's next in plant nutrition with NutriFlex from ADM. From ingredients to final products, NutriFlex is an integrated platform of holistic plant protein solutions to deliver what today's consumer demands, no matter your production or manufacturing requirements. Get the edge your business needs for game-changing innovations at an accelerated speed-to-market pace. Connect with our experts today. Visit ADM.com slash Protein Systems. ADM, your edge, our expertise. 
We'll return now to our conversation between Sarah Feister-Gale and Paul Shapiro. So is the innovation in the ingredients or the technology or the combination? It's both. Every single aspect of our fermentation has been the process of literally thousands of experiments that we have conducted over the last few years, from the design to the aspect ratio of the equipment, to the source of the nutrients, the way that the nutrients are processed, the organism, the pH, the flow rate, everything about this has been optimized through experimentation. And what has been the biggest challenge in this journey and three years of experience? You need more money than you think you do. And that's been a limiting factor for us. We're a small company. We're just a startup. We have 16 people working here. These are really, really smart and resourceful people, but we're still only 16 people. So resources and resource scarcity is by far our biggest challenge. In addition, the pandemic has been very hard on us in terms of the ability to do what we need to do. Building our fermentation facility was hindered by the pandemic other issues that come up. So we're pioneering a novel type of fermentation. And so when you pull one string anywhere, there's unexpected consequences elsewhere, even seemingly insignificant things. And so that has been a real learning experience for us about what matters and what doesn't in our fermentation system. So those are are a few things that have been challenges. And this is still just a demonstration plant, right? The first one in Sacramento? Yes, that's right. So in in fermentation, there are really like four scales. You've got bench scale, pilot scale, demonstration scale, and then full scale. So we're now at phase three. And that means that we have a system that is the largest mycoprotein fermentation facility for whole biomass mycoprotein in North America. So by conventional standards, it's very big, but it's not nearly big enough to satisfy the market. So We are going to use this as a demonstration scale facility, both to do R&D, to produce some product that will sell, but also to show that our technology works, that it can scale up and then move on to raise our our next financing round, which will be to actually build our full scale production facility, which will enable us to create the real flood of product that we need to create to make the market impact that we're seeking to have. Tell me about the taste, the texture, you know, what has to be done to turn what comes out of your fermenter into a crab cake or a burger? Sure. Well, uh, first and foremost, the taste of Riza is pretty neutral on its own. It has a meaty texture, but the taste is pretty neutral. And so we will add things like natural flavors to make it taste, let's say, like a crab or like a burger, etc. Now, There is not much post-processing that occurs, though, when it comes out of the fermenter. So in some systems, there's a lot that has to be done to whatever you're fermenting. In our system, we bring it out of the fermenter, we remove water, and then either we can start flavoring it or we dry it down into a granule. We really like it in the granule form because it's easy to store as a dry shelf-stable ingredient that can just be rehydrated at a later time. It also makes it easier for customers of ours because they can not have to maintain a cold chain. It's much lighter and therefore cheaper to ship, and they can store it because it has a long shelf life as a dry ingredient. So, There really is two different ways that you can use it, again, as a granule or as just like the dewatered product that still has its natural moisture in there. Does it lose quality when you turn it into a granule? 
it's not that it loses quality. It rehydrates very well. The problem is that it has other applications that are not as good. So for a ground meat product, like a sausage or a burger or a nugget, the granulated form works perfectly. If you want to start making whole muscle meat mimicries like a steak or a chicken breast, it's preferable not to granulate it first because it's not so much that it's getting dried, but it's being shredded into little pieces. And so it's harder to make that whole muscle mimicry. So this is always going to be an ingredient, right? I'm never going to have a Risa sandwich. Our plan is not to have a CPG branded company. Our plan is to be a B2B ingredient supplier to help meat manufacturers make better products. That's the goal of our company. So we are not yet selling it because we're still optimizing the processes at the large scale here. But we anticipate being done with that in about a month, and then we will start selling Rhizo. So who do you see as your next big investors? Are the food manufacturers going to be the ones that are coming to, to write you checks? Or are you looking for money from VCs? We always love partnering with folks who can bring us a lot more than just capital. The capital is needed. We certainly would not survive without it. But we always are looking for people who can bring us capital plus other benefits. And that could be they could you know be a partner to help us scale up. They could be a supplier to us or we could be a supplier to them. We're very open. But we certainly prefer investment from people who are also our customers. And what is your timeline? You've got this demonstration plant. You're going to start selling ingredients from it. Will you be global in the next three years or what's the vision? Yes, for sure. So we're going to raise our, our next round, which will be a Series A round in the fourth quarter of 2021. And wow. we, will, we will use those proceeds to then go and build a full-scale production plant. So you have the confidence. If you produce a million pounds of Ryza, someone will buy all million pounds of it. It's just meatier. Like there's no getting around it. It is just meatier than texturized vegetable proteins. And it's also more nutritious. Instead of getting rid of the fiber, we're producing something that naturally contains a lot of fiber. And that's good. Like that's really what you want. Most people are fiber deficient. It's funny because we live in a society that is obsessed with protein where, you know, neither you nor nobody you know is deficient in protein. Like you've never met somebody deficient in protein probably. Whereas nearly every person you've ever met is fiber deficient. In America, more than 90% of people don't get the RDA of fiber, whereas nearly no one is getting too little protein. In fact, most of us get more protein than we need. And so it's not to say that I think the protein craze is going to go away anytime soon, but I do think that as people recognize the problems of fiber deficiency and how they contribute to things like cancer and other illnesses, there'll be an interest in not just asking, where do you get your protein, but rather, where do you get your fiber? And so we feel quite confident that having a product that's both high protein and high fiber is going to be especially attractive. And do you know, are these complete proteins? Do they have all the essential amino acids? Yes. Ryza is a complete protein. It has all the essential amino acids and it has a PD-COS score of 0.96. Wow. Wow. Yeah, when you start dealing at like the microbial level, you can do really interesting things. You can access this interview with Paul Shapiro and all of our Meeting Pod Altmeet podcasts on our website at alt-meet.net. And you can read more of Sarah's interview with Paul in the August print issue of Altmeet magazine. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. 
Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to MeetingPod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media, or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.